Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this Docs Roundup, we're diving into conflict in relationships. Now, as a reminder, most of the content of this show is meant to be presented as an organized and extensive teaching where we take a deep dive into a subject. The Docs Roundup is different. It's a topical collection of our daily Docs devotionals, which you can find at caradox.com daily. You can think of it this way. Most of our episodes are like a single integrated meal, but the Docs Roundup is like a sampling from a bunch of dishes in the same category of food. The point is you're going to hear about conflict, annoyances, impatience, envy, hard conversations, bitterness, and contentment. But by no means are we going to say everything that can be said about conflict. Down the line, I'd love to do a teaching on how to follow the Spirit when you find yourself in the midst of conflict. So why have I chosen to do a Docs Roundup on this subject? Well, we often talk about big, deep topics like prophecy, the spiritual gifts, evangelism, theology, But we have to remember, if we do not follow Jesus in the small things, in disagreements and hurt feelings and arguments with the people closest to us, then we're not being faithful to his call. I think of what Paul writes in Titus 2. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Listen to this. Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's how Paul describes our former state before Jesus. But then he says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Jesus came to us with loving kindness so that we would be kind, not hateful, generous, not envious, compassionate, not callous. The topic here is conflict in relationships. Let's dive in. How to create conflict from Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Wisdom puts the burden of bickering on our own shoulders. In general, conflict is not something that happens to us. It is something that hatred stirs up. Most of the annoyances we find in others are not caused by their irritating habits. They are created by our irritable hearts. If you want to create conflict, this is step one. Fix your eyes on everything else besides your own personal duty to love. Focus on the behavior of others instead of the state of your soul. And you'll think you've been coerced into strife, but probably you've stirred up the pot. Where hatred finds reason to be offended, love finds an opportunity to extend grace. Love makes us search for the best possible explanation behind others' actions. But hatred makes us assume the worst. Hatred is like a magnifying glass that spots every crack and blemish. 
Love is a mighty flood that covers every crack of offense so that you can no longer see a single one. How is Jesus so patient with you? Is it because you have given him no opportunity to become impatient? Or is it because his heart is so full of love that he does not see your endless offenses? Begin with the heart of hatred, and you'll find plenty of reasons to sustain your hatred. Begin with a heart of love, and you'll have a very hard time finding a reason to stop. Wherever you are in strife, put Proverbs 10 verse 12 to the test. Pray that God would grant you genuine love. Actively love the offender by faith. And watch the storm of strife turn calm without any change in the situation, just a change in you. The Kiss of Hard Conversations From Proverbs 24, verses 24 through 26 Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. To the conflict avoidant, delivering a rebuke feels like slapping a face. We'd much rather keep the peace, holding a smile even when we know a friend is holding on to sin. But as it turns out, the smile is the real slap in the face. Nodding in approval at what we know is unapproved by God is the worst kind of judgment. It gives those nearest to us the illusion that they are fine when their sin is actually drifting them into a state that is not fine, into a heart hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3 verse 13. When we avoid hard but necessary conversations only because they are hard, we are prioritizing our comfort over others' Christ-likeness. Though we would never say it this way, our attitude of avoidance says, I'd rather you remain in sin than endure the pain of rebuking your sin. Rebuke is a bad word to those who want to keep the peace and please all. But for those who want to please God and create the true peace of reconciliation, humble rebuke is the indispensable scalpel for the sanctification of the saints. It cuts, but only so that it may heal. And because rebuke is a scalpel, it must be used ever so carefully. Examine your eyes for planks, lest the surgeon be blind. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Ask for the help of the Spirit, who is the only one who can heal. John 16, verse 8. With all gentleness, cut as small an incision as possible, remembering the child of glory to whom you're talking. Even so, from time to time, you must cut. And the wise who are recipients of a gentle, careful, loving rebuke will not receive it as a slap, but as a kiss. Psalm 141, verse 5. They will find in you the same heart of Christ, who did not avoid our sinfulness for the sake of his comfort. Jesus chose the hard route, removing our sin through the excruciating discomfort of the cross. 
If he endured Golgotha for our good, surely we can embrace hard conversations for others' good. Are you irritable? From 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love is not irritable or resentful. Jesus won't stop mercifully digging into your heart until your love for others matches his love for you. He's not content with you merely putting up with those around you. He's not okay with the tiny flame of anger that shows up when people don't act like you want them to. He won't let you settle with your foot-tapping impatience. He wants you to see the arrogant Nathaniels, John 1 verse 46, and the slow-moving Marys, Luke 10 verse 40, and the backbiting Zacchaeuses, Luke 19 verse 7, in your life like he sees them. Not as annoying roadblocks in your way, but as God-ordained people to love. Are you irritable toward those around you? Your irritability isn't a character defect, an unfortunate piece of who you are. It's a sign that you're not walking in love. It's evidence that the old self is waging war against you. Irritability is caused more by a bad view than a bad mood. We are irritable because we're not looking through the lens of Christ, a lens that reveals our need for grace and others' need for love. When I am irritable, I must go back again to the love of Christ. Jesus did not push me away in annoyance. He moved toward me in compassion. He did not poke at the details of my sinfulness. He covered me with his blood. He did not roll his eyes. He looked at me with love. My irritability will only be healed by remembering the love that Christ had for an irritable wretch like me. Your Brother's Keeper from Hebrews 3 verses 12 through 13 Our inclination at the start of the day is to think about our schedule, our needs, our to-dos, our meals, our priorities. We are the watchmen of our lives, and we can rest as long as there is no danger on our horizon. The call of Christ flies in the face of our obsession with personal care. God is not a talent agent looking for stars to showcase. He is a father looking for children to adopt into his family. He is not spreading out a collection of valuable gemstones. He is laying us on top of one another, stone by stone, and cementing us together that we may become the household of God. His central aim is not to make us well-defined biceps or broad shoulders or sturdy legs. He is gathering the members together to bring fullness to the body of Christ. The Christian is called to be a watchman, not only over his own life, but also over his brother and sister. Take care, brothers, 
lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 13. When a mosquito lands on my left arm, my mind tells my right arm to move and the elbow to bend and the hand to slap. The mind ensures that the body parts care for one another so that the whole body is kept healthy. In the same way, those who are made parts of Christ's body inherit Christ's mind. Philippians 2 verse 5. And Christ's mind leads us to take care of the body. If you are strong, God wants you to help the weak. If you are rich, God wants you to help the poor. If you are comforted, God wants you to comfort others. If you are gifted, God wants you to build up the body. All that you have from God is meant to be poured out for others' good, not stored up for your glory. Of whom do you need to take care today? Who needs your exhortation, your encouragement, your love? When God asked the first murderer, Where is your brother? He replied, Am I my brother's keeper? Genesis 4 verse 9. The church of God replies to Cain with a resounding, Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Because Christ was concerned for you, because he kept you from all evil, because he daily stands over you as your watchman, you are compelled by his love to do the same for others. Take care lest you have an evil, self-obsessed heart. And take care, lest any brother or sister fall away from the living God. No Bitter Brothers from Philemon In the shortest of Paul's letters, we find one of the most heartfelt stories in the scriptures. Paul writes from prison to his ministry partner Philemon, compelling him to welcome back his escaped bondservant Onesimus, whom Paul had led to Christ during his imprisonment. Then again, encouraging is an understatement. Though he never goes so far as to force Philemon's hand, verse 14 he pulls out all of his persuasive power as an apostle, verses 19 through 20. Why does Paul plead so fervently for Philemon's loving acceptance of Onesimus? Because through the conversion of Onesimus, he had become Philemon's brother. And bitterness is not an option among brothers in the Lord. Paul writes, For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you may have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verses 15 through 16. Grudges among the body of Christ is not a tertiary issue. It was Philemon's love toward Onesimus that proved his obedience to Christ. Verse 17, Paul puts all the weight on Philemon's response to his former servant's repentance because that's exactly what Jesus did. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. 
love between his children laid so heavily on Christ's heart that it was the focus of his high priestly prayer, John 17. And in the Lord's Prayer, he tied our forgiveness to a declaration that we had forgiven others, Matthew 6, verse 12. How could our hands carry a grudge to the God whose hands were pierced for our transgressions? Disagreements and quarrels and hurts are bound to happen among sinful saints on this side of glory. But there is no allowance for a prolonged rejection of those whom Christ has welcomed. How many times must we forgive our brothers and sisters who repent? As often as Christ has forgiven us. Luke 17 verse 4. We don't have the option of remaining bitter toward those who through faith and repentance belong to Jesus. We cannot split up Christ's body into the category of like and don't like. Christ alone gets to define categories and he calls them all loved. The new command is to love the brothers in the same way that he has loved us. John 13 verse 34. And Christ will never be bitter toward his blood-bought people. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full. If you'd like to receive the daily docs in your inbox every day, you can sign up at caradox.com daily. Thanks to Charlie King for creating this music. And thanks to our Caradox partners on Patreon for supporting the work. If you want to learn about partnering with us to help followers of Jesus experience his fullness, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash live caradox. And to you, our listeners, thank you. This show exists to help you. So thanks for your time, for following along, and for running with us on this journey to love Jesus more and more. We'll be back next Thursday. Until then, give your life to love Jesus and experience his fullness because life to the fullest is life in Christ.